This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Social media is all about storytelling, the ability to tell stories in an engaging and interesting way. And today's guest nails that right on the head. Lynn Jarman Johnson is the Chief Marketing Officer for Consumers Credit Union. She's also a mom to six amazing kids. You'll hear her tell a whole lot of stories from very early in her career in television, how she became an entrepreneur and raised a family over a period of 22 years with her six kids. Unbelievable. Uh, And then jumped into the CMO position at Consumers Credit Union, which when you hear her talk about it, the passion shines right through. Her ability to help people throughout the course of her career is really unparalleled, and I'm so proud to have her as a guest today. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you so much. What a delight and honor. We're really, really excited because I know that you have a really nice mix in your career history of both leading and working as an entrepreneur. So why don't you give me the story of your career from start to today? Well, absolutely. We, you know, when you look back on your career, um, I would say that you would agree that you're like, wow, you know, when you, when you have an opportunity, especially as an entrepreneur to do the different things in, in your life that you didn't expect. And so I can say that I have been so blessed, but you know, the, the blessings come because I was raised with a, a phenomenal a leader of a mom who back in the day was her own entrepreneur and ended up investing in, in apartment complexes and became an owner with my dad. And, um, so I saw an entrepreneur in action every day and I can, I, I can remember being in first grade and coming home and I would have to come home for lunch. I didn't get to have the lunch at the school and it was always bugging me, but my mom would make sure she'd come home every day for lunch. And one day she said to me, she just looked at me and I said to her, um, they're having pizza today at lunch. And she said, well, honey, did you want to be at school? And I said, oh, no, I'll be here with you because I assumed she wanted me home and she assumed I wanted to be home. That's (laughs) so funny. And, you know, the whole the whole way then that your life is shaped by the people who who support you and lift you up. And I've been very blessed all my life. You know, now I get to look back and say, I hope I'm doing the same thing. I hope that I am am being as supportive for my daughters, but also for those that have come to me for mentorship. So when I started, I really had the thought back in the day, and I can say Michigan State University with the biggest pride right now, can't we? Oh, oh my goodness, they're just rocking it. Amazing. Yeah, it's just been a ball to, to be a part of, of just watching everything happening in sports, plus, you know, Incredible. everything that we do. 
but anyway, when, when I went to Michigan State University, I really had every intention of being in television and radio all my life. That was, I loved it. I, and, and was very lucky to land an internship at the NBC affiliate my senior year. And I would drive back and forth um, my senior year. And my now husband, who I met when I was four years old, was, no. to, yeah, it's true. No. It's really true. (laughs) You know, fast forward six kids later, 30 years, we've been married and, uh, and have, you know, that's why I could do all the things that I do today and all the things that I've done in my life is because of that support. So at, at Michigan State, I would drive back and forth my senior year so that I could, I could produce the morning news. And I would produce the morning news, and then I would head to Michigan State, and he and I were able to take the same classes that last semester, which allowed me to do that. And um, he, to this day, will will just shake his head because I, I did better in the classes. I graded better in the classes than he did, and wow. I didn't attend any of them. Wow. <laughs> but, <laughs> So, um, so after graduation, I, I grabbed the first position that came open as a full-time position at Wood TV8, which was the NBC affiliate, as an administrative assistant. And this is the one thing that I can tell anyone looking into their career and, and you're graduating from college and you're thinking, I have this great degree, but I wasn't offered what I really think I deserved. Um, I should be, you know, already the sales leader or whatever that might be. And for me, I, I really, I jumped at the chance just to have a full-time job in television. And so I was um, blessed to be able to work with the news director as the administrative executive assistant. So I learned so much about business that I never would have learned if I would have jumped right into news and, and also learned about people. Because if you have ever been in an executive assistant role or any type of an administrative assistant role, you really have to listen and learn about individuals because it's most of the time what you are is a gatekeeper. You're the person who's, who's making sure things happen and, and keep everything running smooth. So that really was my first taste of teaching me what, you you know, that you should try everything because you will in the long run be able to jump and say, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize I learned a, B and C when I was just doing my job. And, and you will later, you know, really fall back on that. And then in the long run, an an executive producer position came open. And so I became an executive producer for the news and it was just an absolute blast. And I loved every minute of it, but there was a day and I can clearly, I see it, it, it all unfolding. There was a house fire and I sent out our reporter to the house fire and she called and, and I was at, at that point doing the 6 p.m. news and I and she said, there's really not a story here. And I said, look, at, we have a hole to fill. There has got to be a story. And she said, seriously, there really isn't. And I said, OK, well, you know, interview the fire chief and, you know, what about the family? Is there, you know, no one's hurt, but what do they need? And I was being very um you know, just not, I wasn't, there was no care there. I just wanted to fill my, my, you know, minute 30 in the 6 p.m. news. And sure enough, um, the show airs, we had put the Red Cross number up for anyone who wanted to help and, and uh, provide clothing or, or food for the family because they didn't have a home to go to. And uh, that 
probably about seven o'clock at night, the phone rang and I picked it up and, and it was a woman. And she said, is this the person who put the, the story on the air about the fire? And I said, I said, oh, yep, this is Lynn. Can I help you? Well, is this the person who put the phone number about the Red Cross? And I immediately thought, oh, I put the phone number up wrong. You know, oh, and so I'm thinking I'm going to have to do a crawl. I'm just thinking all these negative things. And I said, yep, that was me. I said, can I help you? Did did it, you know, was the number wrong? And the woman started to cry. And she said, uh, oh, no, everything is wonderful. I'm Mrs. Stickler, and I lost, you know, all of our kids' clothes and shoes. And I just can't thank you enough because in the last hour, we are deluged with what we need. Wow. And and it was right then that I like sat down and thought, what am I doing? I mean, I really had no, I just, I was just sad in my heart. I, I just thought, what, when did I become this individual who really only cared about the first minute and 30 seconds of a newscast? And, and a newscast are important, don't get me wrong, but I just, that wasn't the person that I really wanted to be. And about probably three months after that, the executive producer position for the public affairs department came open at the NBC affiliate. And I jumped into that Mm. and met the most amazing people. I met people that were, you know, executive directors of awesome organizations. And I was blessed to be able to host the first Children's Miracle Network telethon in the role that I was doing. Wow. And... One of my the individuals who was my very first interview when I did, I would do little five minute segments in in the news. And one of my very first interviews was a woman that um, came to become my number one mentor in business. And um, her name was Laureen, and she was the executive director of a child care professional business professional agency. And she Um, asked me if I would help because there was going to be a newspaper article out that she knew wasn't going to be very flattering on the organization. Okay. And so she asked if I would consider consulting with her. Um, And at that time, I was very happy where I was. um, And yet there was something that told me, you need to listen to this, that there's something going on. And um, at about that same time, uh, there were changes that happened at Channel 8, and I said, you know what, I'm going to jump and do this. So I have no business experience whatsoever, and I, though, <laughs> jump <laughs> with two feet and start Jarman Johnson Communication, and was um, my very first client was with me until I, I stopped doing Jarman Johnson Communication 21 years later. And she, and she in, in the long run, unfortunately, passed away from breast cancer. Oh. But I can tell you she was the mentor. And I, to this day, I think of the things that she's taught me. Wow. Um, and, and, and that's what we're, we're meant to do, right? We're meant to do that. So I've been very blessed. And when I did decide, and um, we raised our kids, so my entrepreneurial job was awesome because I had clients that understood that there were days that I might not be able to do something, but 99% of the time, you know, we always worked it out. And, um, and in the long run, my company grew. And then in 2009, when the economy hit, um, 
I was, I just wasn't as happy. And my husband looked at me and said, Lynn, you're doing an admin work. You're not doing what you do best. And, and you, you know, what is it that you want to do? And why don't you, you jump at that and, and do that. And it was very soon after we had talked about that, that I had a phone call from consumers and, and I'm just absolutely like pinching myself because the culture is just exactly what, uh, what every person deserves to have in their life. Well, talk to me a little bit about that because that's an incredible story. And and to have a firm for 22 years and then go into an organization uh, to work is a big shift. And a lot of times when you talk to entrepreneurs, what's most important to them when they're taking the step back into a more corporate environment is the culture. Talk to me a little bit about how you knew that the culture was right there and how you knew it was the right time to do it. We, we have a very unique hiring process. And at the time when I was hired, I scratched my head about it um, because I didn't understand that it was truly a part of the culture that, that I was, uh, was starting down the path toward. So what we do is we hire in classes. And so um, in in a week and a half, we're going to have another class that we'll hire and we'll hire about 12 individuals in this class. And when you're hired, so I, I was lucky enough that I was hired in July. I did not start until October because it was so important that I would start with the class that, that was, that was going to be there because we learn together. So when I stepped foot in the door and all of the interviews prior, um, there is a cultural interview and you don't know you're in a cultural interview. You're talking and, and, and like you and I are now, and it, and it's just a great conversation. And, um, and, but you're allowed to really talk about what, you know, where your vision is and, and personally what you'd like to do, whether it has anything to do with a career, but personally, what do you like to do? Do you like to bike? Do you like to cook? You know, what is it that, that makes you tick and and happy? And so once I was hired and then I was told, well, you're really not going to start until October. Imagine telling a marketing person that, you know, I'm like, what? Wow. I've got things to do. I got to right. start with my feet running. Right. And they said, you know, you know, nope, this is intentional that, that in the long run you will be trained. And just like everybody else is, even though you're an executive level position, we want you to go, go communicate this exact same way. And so we have trainings on everything from the front teller line to the back end systems and how we communicate to the, the, um, the phone center and, and our customer service team, which are rock stars. And so when we have a 98% member satisfaction survey every year, it is because every single person in this organization knows that the one thing that we have to do right every day, you know, the computer might not turn on, electricity might be off, but we sure do have to help the members somehow. And, and that's how we begin. And that's the culture of the organization. And so I knew immediately that that's where I wanted to be. And, wow. and on the other side of that, I'm an entrepreneur. So I'm used to working in a very entrepreneurial-like state 
you know, and yes. so the 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 most incredible part about about our organization is every one of our offices are their own entrepreneurial office. In marketing, for us, it's even more fun because we can target a lot more in the sense of of a community instead of just as a full membership, but it's each one of, of them has their own special atmosphere when you walk in the office. And then on top of that, banking now is hugely different than it was even five years ago. You know, people bank on their phones. Our members are banking on their phones and on their laptops. And so for us, we have to just help make sure that our members can bank where they want, when they want. And what a joy for a marketing executive or anyone in marketing to be able to help watch that transformation happen, but then bring everybody along with it. It's just, it's, it's an incredible experience. It sounds like one of the world's best places to work, honestly, when you talk about <laughs> it. You do a great job. So tell me a little bit, take a step back for our listeners who are not as familiar with Consumers Credit Union. Tell us a little bit about the organization, what you do, and how. Sure. Well, we, we are a credit union is is like any financial institution, except it's a little bit different. So if you have a bank, you're very used to what banks do. They have checking accounts and they have... Uh, mortgages and business services and investments, and we have all of those things. The only difference is that a credit union is owned by their members. So for us, our membership is a charter, and that charter is all of Lower Michigan. And so if you have the mitten, which we use as our mitten, you know, is our is our symbol, um, the Lower Michigan is our charter. So we can have a member that 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 works, worships, or lives anywhere in Michigan. Mm. Then we also have, if we have individuals of our families, of our immediate family, or if people move into other states, they also can be members of, of consumers because they're immediate family members or they had their, for, you know, they opened their accounts here with us. And so we we have been um, in business since 1957. We have 67,000 members. Um, we are a half a billion and growing uh, credit union, and we we have a very awesome philosophy in that we lend out as much money as de- is deposited, which is a very awesome thing because it allows us to to listen to stories of our members and to help members who may not be able to be helped elsewhere. Um, and they're smart. They're smart stories. You know, it, it, it's amazing to be able to lend and not to have, have you know, the, the credit counseling rate going up because people are caring about the fact that they really want to be good stewards of their money. Um, and, and so for me in marketing, I'm the chief marketing officer, and, and the role for marketing is member service. It isn't selling a product. It's serving a member. And so... I'm really lucky that, yeah, I might be able to get somebody in their new house. I may be able to, to, to raise an eyebrow because I can explain what a credit score really does mean and have people not be shy about talking about money because money is really what brings stress up and brings stress down in any relationship. And if we are communicating to our members immediately that, we're here to listen to their needs and help with what other, whatever, whatever they need. That turns into a whole different conversation versus 
um, someone feeling like I'm uncomfortable to ask if I can have a loan because I don't think my credit score is high enough. So you, you, once you really break those barriers and have people love to save their money and love to use their money wisely, it changes the entire landscape of, of service because then the door opens wider to be able to say, you know, you're, this would be a great opportunity for you to do this next product if it's a product or it might just be a service or it might be, you know, maybe you're not quite ready for that and that's okay, but we're going to get you there versus a door is slammed and the word is no. And so for my role and for our team's role, that's really what it is. It's education and communication to our members and to the community 24-7. I, you know what I love most, Lynn? I love how you, in telling the story, it ties back to that moment in the station, really, because you're in this position where you are able to help people. You know, you're working at this sort of, you know, this organization and at a credit union, and you're able to give back to the members. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it allowed you to kind of tie in your need for social good with your career. And it's just wonderful. There is not a day that doesn't go by that I don't hear a story that I don't step back and pinch myself. Yeah. And, and it's not, you know, it's, here's, here's the cool part. Here's a great, great example. It was, it was around Christmas last year and there was a individual who flew to Tampa for a break for vacation and he lost his wallet and he called um, his office that he banks with and he was talking on the phone and he goes, I just don't know what to do. I lost my wallet. I have nothing. And um, we have what's called instant issue debit cards. So we said, well, we don't have any, you know, we can get you a debit card. So don't worry about that. We'll get that done and we'll get it FedEx to you. And there was a person standing next to um, the individual on the phone, the staff on the phone. And she said, wait a minute, where is he? And he said, Fort Fort Lauderdale or Tampa. I can't remember. And she says, well, wait a minute, I'm flying there. No. I'm going there. Oh, this is, this is, she goes, just so then it gets better. So then she said, if we can figure out how to get his license, I can try to get his ID or maybe he has something extra at his house. We'll get the debit card. We'll make sure he has enough money in his bank account. You know, he, he transferred money over the phone and away she flew like she was going to anyway and hand delivered him all that he needed. That is un believable. So it's just and, a different way. It, it is a different way. You know, people talk about the difference between a credit union and a bank all the time, but you really bring it to life in that sort of story. Oh, it's incredible. Huge, and it just makes you deal. grin, you know, doesn't huge that make you deal. grin? Yes, of course it does. <laughs> but your whole, every story you have makes me grin. I love all of it. So, okay. So next question. So when you take a credit union and you uh, place it into social media, when you're looking at that, are you looking at mostly using social to serve the members you have, or is it to get new members? What's the overarching strategy of how you approach social media? We approach it in a three-pronged approach. Okay. So the first is that we have a social media team. And the very first thing we did was we we started the platform so that we we could do them, right? It's Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and Twitter and LinkedIn are the, are our main pieces and YouTube. We've got YouTube videos too. So we literally looked at things and decided which ones could we do and which ones do we want to do well. 
And so that was the very first social media team that we have. Um, and we have individuals who are on that team that are part of the retail team too. That So they may not be in marketing 24-7, right. but they're a part of our team and they help post and they help write and, and help us have content. Then there is the service media team. And the service media team is specifically to help members who need service when we are off hours. Um, so if someone would, would today, when, when, when we're on hours, you know, we're, are, we're literally here and we're working and our doors are open for retail, um, we then will, will answer their questions and be able to help them out, you know, relatively quickly. And what we have now is a service team that because, you know what, life happens not during banking hours, right? Of <laughs> so, course. So we now have it that that staff brings home the systems that they need to be able to help someone if, let's say, their debit card um, was blocked accidentally or or anything that they post on our our Facebook page or Twitter, we then respond to it as fast as we can. That's one of the things that we we try to do. And if someone is is frustrated with something, we same thing, we respond as fast as we can and. Um, and polite and and try to get to them in a way that we can help them. And it's probably not going to be online. It'll be, hey, let's what's your phone number so we can reach you at the best possible right. time for you. Right. It's um, taking, and then, and then taking the yep. conversation offline, right? Yep. And then that all happens on the service level. And then, of course, there's what we would, I guess you would consider it the marketing level, which is the churning that has to happen. I'm honestly most proud of of our e-library, which other people call a blog. Um, our e-library is set up to learn how you want, when you want. And we have videos and articles and infographics and podcasts that are very specific to helping people understand their finances and, and, and doing that in a way that helps you live in where you are now. So it might be your first house. Well, you can download an infographic that shows the steps to buying a house. Um, it might be that you're really worried about getting a loan because your credit score is not that great. Well, we've got the way that you want to learn about it, you can wow. in our e-library. That becomes the, the content that we use to help members and community members really learn about that it's okay to talk about money. And and not only is it okay, you're going to you you will have a lift off of your shoulders like you wouldn't believe if you're stressing about money. And and how to get take the steps to make that not happen in your life. So the e-library sort of acts as a hub then for social content, right? Yep. It makes, sure does. Makes total sense. So that's fabulous. How do you deal uh, with being in a more regulated industry in terms of, is it more difficult to get types of content approved that you can put out? Or is it if you keep the topic more general and about money as a whole, it is less difficult? I think it's a little bit of both. So yeah. we, we're we very careful in investments um, because uh, there are, there's, there's different regulations even then. And so we're, we are very careful about making sure that that is, that we're not saying that we're going to be doing A, B, and C for you. It's, it's, you know, we're very open to saying we have great people on our staff that can help you, but, um, but the regulatory issues are there and are, and should be right. You know, yes, you can't course, promise certain things, uh, but for banking, for us, um, you know, we are very transparent and we feel that, that the more open that anybody is with their money, not, not about account information. That's a different, whole different ballywack. 
you we are not allowed you know somebody even puts a first name up of something of someone we will take down a post and send them a private message and explain right. why right because we're very careful about that and and that's just a it's just an automatic so so depending on what the topic is there's really not anything you can't say where where we have to be very careful is the security of our own members information which is never talked about of course i mean it's just it's it's, it's just that not. would be yeah it's just not never and i know that you have received a lot of accolades for your own twitter and your own kind of presence i know that, <laughs> that funny? Uh, forbes recognized you and a few other groups and so i had a question for you about how important do you think it is as a leader to have a social presence is it important I am going to say absolutely. Okay. With a caveat. I'm ready. The caveat is that there are individuals that are not extroverts. They're not socially um, excited to be uh, focused on, even if they're a leader. Okay. They are silent leaders. And I have some of my very best friends are that, and they are not, and they have social media accounts and they have their profile and everything's updated and it looks awesome, but they are not in social media in the sense of posting and sharing. And, and right. I applaud them for that because if, if, if I wasn't the type of individual that I am um, and I found it extremely difficult then I, I would be reticent in whatever I was posting anyway. And I wouldn't be having that, what I believe is what makes social networking work, authenticity. Right. And so if someone is, is, is reticent to talk about, about even their work because they really have a pride in, in, in their own, um, they're, just, they're just not extroverted, then that is to be applauded. And, and I don't think that, I do not think leaders should have anyone tweet for them if yes. you're, or, or post for them. I just, am, I just, I want everything to be authentic. So for me, it's okay. Now, do I think they should have a presence? Absolutely. Should, should, you know, should my exec team and all of the individuals that come to training today, we set up six some people had it already, but I think three out of the six, we set their LinkedIn profiles up for them today and taught them that it's okay to feel reticent and shy, that really what you're doing is trying to learn as well as lead. And, 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 and that's a two-way street because you will find that you're going to be able to share content from people that you respect or from companies that you respect and feel very confident about that. And that's okay that if you don't feel comfortable touting your own self, that you really are just wanting to tout perhaps um, what your job responsibility is, or that you had a hand in producing something here at the credit union that nobody would know because you're behind the scenes. So your feeling is as long as it's authentic, it just needs to be your, everyone should have a presence, but it should not be it cannot be done for you. It must be authentic in its uh, use or kind of non-use, just having Ab a presence there. But yeah. 
So that, Absolutely. yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great point. I think it's a really great point. And looking at um, your presence, you can see that it is definitely a presence that is authentic in every sense of the word. So it's, it's a great, that's a great piece of advice and insight, I think as a whole. So what do you think is next for Consumers Credit Union in terms of what you're looking at um, in terms of networks or interesting things that you guys are trying in social media? Well, we right now it's really it's it's the tip of the iceberg right now for us because I think you know the words that I've that are on everybody's tongue in in uh, marketing is big data. Yes, big data. You know, everybody yes. wants big data. Um, I I personally know for a fact that all the big data in the world isn't going to help us if we aren't continuing to have our personal. Our, our own personal consumers shine through. And, and when, when it comes to the, the niche target marketing and the communicating effectively with an individual on their level, what is the hardest thing to do is to, to balance the line between being an individual who is helpful being an individual, a company too, that is helpful for you. I am being helpful in, in showing you services that might help you versus, you know, the feeling when all of a sudden you feel like, okay, I'm creeped out. You know, yes. you're, you've just Stop. crossed that line. Yes, 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 <laughs> and so, yes. so we, we are really doing some, some very strong looks at how we are communicating and how our members want to be communicated with. Because it wouldn't it be awesome if, you know, you go to the website and you say, um, I, you know, when, when you talk to me, really what I want is a text. And so from that point on, we would always text you. Um, so that there's that, that style of communications that you would be able to, to reach, reach out to. We know for a fact that there is not going to be any um, lessening of our footprint in our markets that, you know, we're, we're not, we're different. We're a little unique in the fact that we believe that it's very important for someone to be able to walk into our office and, and, and have anything that they need helped right there, pick up the phone and call us and do the same thing, pick up their cell phone and text us and do the same thing, go online and be able to do their banking that way as well. And so for us, it's, how do we make sure that the platforms are there and robust enough so that we're helping and not hindering? Awesome. And Lynn, tell me where people should follow you, one of the top CMOs on Twitter, and where they should follow <laughs> Consumers Credit Union. So at uh, Consumers, we are at Consumers with an S, C-U. And um, for Twitter for me, it's at Mojo CMO. And that stands for Mom Johnson, Chief Marketing <laughs> Officer. <laughs> and, the, and also, it's just the best thing to say ever. Mojo Sam. It like rolls off the tongue. I love it. It's well, fun. Lynn, thank you so much for being on today. You are one fabulous social lady. Thank you so much. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter at Carrie Kirpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.
This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. Likeable Media produces and distributes content across the social web for mid to large size brands. Visit them at likeable.com.